Hello, this is Janet Gallen welcoming you to Love Letters Live. And today is um, unusual because of our guest, of course, but also because he's in the backseat of a car on his, he's not driving, on his way someplace. And as he says, it's so LA. I've never heard of it. But anyway, Larry, it's very nice to meet you. Nice and to meet you. I'm, you know, let's just dive right in because I know you have a new book out and you have several. Why don't you just say the name of your book since that's your latest? Yeah, so the new novel is called Light Man. And, and it's uh, it's published by Kearney Street Books and uh, available on Amazon. Okay, and elsewhere. So, so people can go there and order it. Uh, my question to you is, can we just start with you and and just who you are and your upbringing and your family and tell us a little bit about yourself like sure from you know from childhood okay i grew up in uh, new york city in uh, the 60s and 70s um don't want to give out my, give my age uh, too specifically but uh there it is um and my mother uh, was an actress my father was a musician composer so there's very much a show business family. My mother um, later became well-known for a, a television series called The Facts of Life. But when I was growing up, she was a theater actress, um, sometimes struggling. Well, I would say it was always a struggle, although she was fairly successful as, uh, as things go. But um, a lot of the shows she did were not. So there was a lot of frustration, and, and uh, my father was involved in some of those shows. Well, we used what, to spend summers of, when I, on Broadway. Did your father compose? Uh, he well, he was he studied uh, classical composition with Paul Hindemith at Yale. Wow! But um, but he you know he also did he wrote the theme music for Car Fifty Four. Where are you? Oh really? And the Phil Silver show, yeah. I mean, that's Scar 54, where are you? He will always be known for, even though, you know, he wanted to be a serious composer. Right. And I mean, that Hindemith part strikes me very strongly. But yes, there's something about TV theme songs. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. He, yes. he, uh, and he actually wrote an opera that was performed on um, NBC used to have a weekly opera on television, live opera on television. Believe that. And he wrote one. So. Um, you know, he was a fairly accomplished uh, composer, and he later got into sound and then music editing for TV and film, which he had a very long career doing that. Yeah. He was what 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 was the road? And then we're going to get to you because yeah, yeah, really sure. your, But what was the road that your mother took to end up on Facts of Life, which my daughters were so devoted to? She was such a fun <laughs> presence. And well, she. She uh, she did television early on in New York. She did a lot of uh, did a lot of television. She was on Car Fifty Four. Where are you? She played. Uh, she had several roles on that. And oh no no, she was on that show. She had she was a regular. She was Al Lewis uh, the car Al Lewis character. She was his wife Sylvia Schnauzer. And then she also did some work on the Phil Silver show, uh, which my father was also involved with. Um, and that, but then you know she always wanted to be a serious actress like that was her goal the the part she's always she was always most proud of was um, Endgame Samuel Beckett's Endgame 
um, not Endgame. I'm sorry, Happy Days uh-huh. was also in, in Endgame, and then you know, but the theater roles just weren't. She just wasn't. They just weren't there for her in the in the early '70s. And um, her friends, she had some friends out here in L.A. Charles Nelson Riley and Paul Lynn. Paul Lynn was an old friend of hers in college. Uh-huh. And they said, you know, you got to come out here. This is where the action is. So she did. She came out for a summer and she did a lot of work. She got on a few shows. I think, um, what was it? Not the Brady Bunch. Partridge Family she was on. And, um, a couple other shows. I think she did a, and, and, a and American style. How, how close, and you know, when you talk about she likes serious acting, I consider comedy such well done, such serious acting. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I think she came to appreciate that also. Um, you know, that, right, the great, a great, a really well written, a funny script needs a good actor, not a yes. comedian. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I find that with movies. When you see a comic, unless they've, since unless they learned how to be an actor and by the way like robin williams was actually trained to be an actor before he was a comic Mm -hmm. he was not just a comic who became an actor but sometimes you see like yeah if the acting is not there it just it isn't as funny right it just becomes shtick yes i mean Um, it's a a very specific talent not to just find yourself in a comedy role just mugging and shrieking but really really so how how close to how close to her facts of life personality was she at home? I think in some, I think in some ways she was similar, but in other ways, no. And she would be the first to say she was not that character, that she was, you know, a, she was, you know, an, you know, an imperfect person who didn't always have advice for people and, you know, had, had, um, her insecurities and her, you know, just her, her struggles as a person. And she's working on herself to become, you know, less stressed out. And, sure, and the thing is that the life of an actor is, you know, the pressures are enormous. Right. She's ca- carrying a show. And, you know, it, I mean, I remember the one she was, the day she was filming, it was crisis mode. Was it? And, you know, there was no calmness. To it. Right. She got, she became calm in the character. But that was work. Was how really, did that, how did that affect you? Um, well, I mean, I just, I remember, you know, <laughs> well, actually I wasn't, I was I didn't live with her for most of that show. You know, I was almost an adult when she got on that show. And okay. so, uh, but you know, the times when she was there, uh, yeah, it was, you know, of course it was not always pleasant, but, you know, but I understood. I mean, it was, it, it was a big deal, you know, now, having what are, a show, especially the first few years when they didn't know it was going to succeed. Yes. What now you have a brother, you have one brother. Yes. Yeah. Older, younger. I, uh, I have, I had an older brother. He passed away in 1999. He was oh. developmentally disabled pretty uh-huh. severely. He had, uh, three, you know, he was autistic, he was epileptic, and he was, um, and he had some schizophrenia too. Oh my goodness, that's so, difficult for the whole family then. Yeah, I mean, and that was, yeah, that was sort of the, the event of my parents 
live, live lives in many ways, you know, was having to try to deal with that and try who to help who took, who took care of him while your parents were both working? Well, I mean, my parents had him at home until he was 12. Uh-huh. And, then, um, and then he became, uh, you know, he was no longer, was it 12? Yeah, and then then they found a really good place in Pennsylvania that was really good for him, and that he lived in for a few years. And those were probably the best years of his life. And then, uh, and then he became dangerous. He became violent, and oh. um, and he had to be institutionalized. But you know, my parents had been told to institutionalize him when he was little, when he was now, when he was did, just did that experience and, and have, to do did that experience with him have an effect on the life shows that you took? I mean, teaching and did you? I think, I think so. I mean, I think it taught me patience. You know, I was um, in order to, and persistence because, you know, in order for me to relate to him, uh, I had to, I had to be patient. You know, he was, he was often hard to reach, but if I could reach him, then it was very, it was very rewarding. And most often I could reach him through humor. He had a good sense of humor and I could make him laugh. Uh-huh. It was often very basic, childish kind of humor. But well, what was the age loved- difference? He was three and a half years older than me. Okay, so um, that's kind of close. Right. But I mean, so of course, I was the older brother from the time we were very young, right. even though he was bigger than me. Um, and But I'd say... The thing that was most valuable to me as a teacher was seeing that my parents refused to give up on him, even when it seemed just ridiculous that they were still thinking he could get better. They just did. They didn't give up. They kept trying. And so that's something that I took from that. And as a teacher, I've never given up on Did you know Um, early? Did you know? Yeah, so I, I definitely owe that to them. Did you know early on that you wanted to teach? Oh no, no, I didn't. I didn't know I wanted to become a teacher till I, till right before I became one, which was well, in my early thirties. Really, what did you do before that? Um, I was in writing. I actually did some. I, I used to do some tutoring, so I guess I was already a teacher. But no, I was a writer. I wrote for uh, animated cartoons, and I was just freelancing around. I'd, I'd written books already before I became a teacher. And you have what, but, um, four other novels? But I just, four other novels, yeah, four other novels published. Dozens of other ones not published, yeah, okay. course, like, like any good writer. Um, but, you know, and the, my brother, you know, and my, my experience with him and my parents is sort of the basis of Light Man in many ways, although the story is very different. I mean, the only character that would be really recognizable would be the, the there's a, um, the wife of one of the men who this novel centers around is an actress uh-huh. and she um, she is sort of almost given up on her career because she's so she has a son she has a son who you know is has these kinds of these problems and so what, what do you what focus, to... focus a little bit on that book and tell us yeah. about it and she she um, and she but she but she answers a cattle call for a for a roach for an insecticide and <clears throat> and she just nails it she just improvises on her angst and, and and anger about her 
son and what's wrong with him. And she just lets it, she just lets it all out on the roaches in the commercial. Uh-huh. And, and she becomes this sensation. She becomes almost like a local folk hero in a city that's overrun with pestilence, which New York was, and probably in some ways still. You mean is. actual actual pestilence or figuratively? No, no, figurative. I mean, you know, like the rats and roaches. I mean, it was, you know, oh, actual. It's, it's a, yeah, 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 actual and and you know, figuratively. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in New York subway and seen a rat crawling across the I've seen them on my driveway. They're all over the Uh, place. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) But, um, so, so she, so, so that, you know, that certainly, uh, you know, inspired it. And also just this whole idea of trying to fix a broken son, as I say, you know, this, this idea of, uh, because my, uh, one of the characters, the, the, her husband, uh, Mike, is—he's uh, a guy. He's a—he's um, a guy who fix. He can fix anything. He, people in the building, in his building, bring him broken toasters and blenders and TVs, and he can fix everything. But he can't fix his son, and it's—it's it's killing him. Where, where is that line? That's kind of an interesting line between. And a difficult one, I would imagine, between wanting to fix um, a broken person and not wanting to fix, but just accept. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's hard when it's your child. Sure. Uh, and it, you know, it's sometimes, especially if you're not, if you're not right with yourself, and you're not confident in yourself, and you're not sure that you didn't break him in some way, even. Even if it's irrational, I think I think I certainly think my parents always felt responsible for everything that Isn't happened. Isn't that awful? Yeah, and 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 by the way, for my mother, it was you know it was not uh, it was not an idea that she had to put in her head because back then, doctors, some doctors believed that um, autism was caused by cold mothering. I remember that they were called in the fifties and they were yeah. called refrigerator mothers. Yes. Exactly. And how anything could be more cruel. This is a concept yes. been bothering me forever because I knew several people. Who, and, you know, uh, it, I, I don't know why it never occurred to the doctor who finally sees the psychiatrist or any doctor who finally sees a mother and a child say of two or three with autism. And, my understanding from my own experience to even touching a person with autism is painful. Yes. Painful. And I think these mothers have to learn very quickly not to grab and hug and cuddle because it's torture. So I guess they seem aloof and distant by the time. Oh, how stupid of the doctors. Yeah. It's just such a, yeah. As you say, it's just so utterly cruel to do that. It was cruel and not intelligent. No, it wasn't. Oh, well, yeah. So, you know, that's something that... um, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that he was young at this stage in medical history, yes. Because you didn't give your specific age, which you don't have. Right. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, he he, uh, (laughs) was born in 1955, and I was born in 59. Okay. So, yeah, he was was right at that time. Really? Yes. Yeah. Now, um, talk. Okay, so he's no longer with us. 
and your parents are both gone, right? Yeah, they're gone. Okay. So I have a question because I am so largely about letter writing and love letters. And I'm curious, being uh, born when you were, we used to write, were you ever a letter writer as long as you were a writer? Did you write letters? Uh, uh, I, I did not, not a lot. No, I, I, well, just to get, to yeah, get, I'd have to, that's so funny. I, I, yeah. To get back a little bit. Um, what, what is it you yeah. do teach? Uh, I teach English. I teach writing. Well, you do. Yeah. And I'm always telling students about that, about letters. In fact, one of the, one of the plays we read is Arthur Miller's All My Sons. And I don't know if you're familiar with that play, but there's there's a, a a brother who's missing in the war. He's actually he's actually dead, but the mother thinks he might be coming back. And his fiance and the brother who survived the war are in love with each other, and mm-hmm. and it's a problem for the mother. She doesn't you know because she believes her other son's coming back. But anyway, they they live in separate cities, and then she comes to see him, and there's this all kind of awkwardness about whether they're really going to make a go of it. And so I have the students write letters, like, oh, well, good. What, happened, okay. what happened in the three years after the war when her family moved from Ohio to New York? How did they? How did they? You know, I said they people didn't text each other, they didn't right. see each other on Facebook. You know, they he had to have written her a letter. Yeah, and then she well, and she refers to you wrote that you wrote to me, so we know from the play that he wrote the first letter, and then you know one assumes there were a number of letters, so I I make them write at least three letters back and forth, and you know and of course it's very interesting to see their they don't understand like when you're writing a letter to someone you're not talking to on the phone you're not seeing you're not seeing on the internet, you know this is a very involved process. You, everything is on yeah. that page. Everything has to be on that page. And, you know, it's a really good exercise for them to try to understand what that means to convey so much uh, on, you know, in that, in that way. Do you, do you um, think that when you're this kind of assignment, writing letters, you are kind of having, you're not talking to the person and you're not, uh, but you are kind of having both sides of the conversation. Yes, in the letter. Yes, Yes, absolutely. I mean, in your own head. Right, right. And I should say, in recent years, I've shown students some of my, the letters my grandmother wrote to my mother. Because I have have them. Okay. Yeah, my mother was, my mother saved everything. And I have all these letters, her, it was one a week for, I don't know how 10 or 15 years. Oh, my, my and, mother and her mother also. It was Tuesdays, right? Uh-huh, that's wonderful. So, yeah. so you have them. So what have well, you learned? Mother wrote back, but. What, what have you learned sorry, about that again. family from these letters that you have? Things that you didn't uh, know? We, I mean, um, yeah, apparently there were some uncles who got, went to jail. For some shady business, uh-huh. um, you know, but mostly, mostly it's just 
the details of what I already did know. You know, uh-huh. I knew that, you know, I knew one of my aunts moved to Texas. My mother had moved to New York and my other aunt stayed in Wisconsin. And so she, she saw my grandmother all the time and, you uh-huh. know, and her children grew up with her. And, you know, I just kind of, it's just the details of, because she would tell her everything she was doing. I mean, there's a, there's a whole ex- explanation about buying a girdle. Oh, my goodness. One of the letters, yeah. you know, it's that kind of stuff. That's the wonderful stuff. Not so much the big revelations as just the small details of their lives. That's, that's, that's a delicious detail, that, 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 how to buy a girdle, because I don't think anybody knows about that anymore. God bless the 50s. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, now what about, talk about handwriting for a minute. Sure. When you see when you see your mother's handwriting or your grandmother's handwriting, yeah. what, does that, what does that do to you? Oh, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of an overwhelming feeling to see that it? because it is like it's like a person still alive on the page. That's the point. You know, it's one yes. thing. I mean, yeah, even the words, even the words. The words are the person alive, but the handwriting is so much more intimate. Isn't that something? Yes. It's like the fingerprint of the heart. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. And Absolutely. I'm just thinking because you are an author and I don't know if you have the time or the inclination to write letters to people now, but do you ever, I think signing a book, I, well, a blank page, no, wonderful. I do. I don't handwrite though, although it's funny, I've started handwriting notes just at work when I have to write, like, please excuse someone. Uh-huh. I stopped typing them. And for some reason, I have a pad of graph paper and I just scribble them on there. But um, no, I actually, most of the letters I've written actually are to former students who've been incarcerated. Uh-huh. It's the only way to communicate with them. I mean, I can, you can call them on the phone, but it's very expensive and it's, and it's, you know, it's kind of awkward and difficult to reach them. But um, also when you have, when you have a letter in your hand that someone has sent you incarcerated, not incarcerated, you have that forever. And the truth oh, is yeah. you can't reread a phone call. Right. No, no, no. It's much, much better. And then I, and I always put stuff, I always put articles and stuff in there for them to read because I am a teacher. Right. So I, I, I get to assign them reading that they actually do because, you know, they, they need stuff to do. Um, and that's, you know, and then getting their letters back is, uh, you know, is always very nice. Although it's, I mean, it's also very sad. You know, because they're incarcerated? Yeah, well, they, uh, there's one guy right now who is not, I believe, is not guilty of anything. And he's he's been on trial. He's been through one trial and it's been five years. He hasn't been convicted of anything. And so that just makes Wait, so he's he's incarcerated but has not been convicted? Yeah, he's charged. Yeah, he's charged with a crime, but um, they're just the, the district attorneys drags it out. You know, they they're not used to in the system. They're used to people plea bargaining. They're not used to people taking things to trial. Right. And so they have all these tricks to try to force you to make it, you know, a deal. They, and one of them is they just delay it forever. I mean, I've been to court, I've been to court with him where, you know, the judge is like, okay, let's set the trial date for next month. And the DA says, well, the detective's on vacation and then next month I'll be on vacation. And it's like, meanwhile, this young man's life is being wasted away in jail while they're going on vacation. It's enraging. 
It is. And, even, uh, even to hear about it, it's just, it's awful. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. You would and, think that there'd be not, well, okay. Yeah. And the one time I, I let him know, like, how upset I was for him, that letter was sent back to me. <laughs> because they would, they, not, they would not deliver it to him. Yeah. Well, I understand. They don't want something that's going to upset, that might upset, you know, somebody and, you know, give them a hard time. So, well, also, you I, don't I just, want to, you, I'm sure they don't want somebody upset enough to take some kind of negative action. Right. To be motivated. Right. To, oh. So, Okay. Well, I want to thank you for doing this with me. So, so interesting about your family and oh, how, how wonderful that you're teaching. Yes. And I, I did read somewhere that you you had assigned Kafka. Oh, yeah. Every year. Yeah. Metamorphosis. I was going to say Gregor Samsa would be a perfect person yeah. to identify with. Yeah. I mean, also, I think Lightman was very much inspired by the work of Kafka. There is something very Kafkaesque in the, this, the the lives of these people, and um, and then this character Davy's brother. Well, you know, drives I, down the street. He freaks out because he feels, on some level, he feels perhaps that it's come for him. Yes, yes. People who are trapped. Yeah, he's trapped inside his mind. And I always felt that way about my brother that he there was a there was another person in there and he was trapped. Sure. Um, and when he passed away, I felt like he was released. I actually uh, felt like I could, you know, there was a closeness I could have with him because it wasn't, you know, wasn't obscured by his illness. How beautifully put. Yes. Well, thank you, dear. Thank you. This has been really nice hearing from you. And say once more, Light Man. Light Man. And we can order it at Amazon. Yeah, yeah you should be at the, I know the ebook is available. I think the, uh, the, the printed book, I think you, you can pre-order right now. Okay. Um, but pre-order it. Get your copy. Okay, <laughs> yeah. good. Thank you. Well, All right, safe, thank you. Safe drive. And, Thanks. Um, we may talk again someday. Hopefully, yeah. Love to Take talk care. to you again. Take Thank care. you. Thank you for sharing it all. Thanks. Bye. Till next time, this is Janet Gallen and Larry Strauss saying goodbye. Bye.